there, and welcome to another episode of Shouting in the Evening, brought to you by the Scheidt International Theatre Company. Please make yourselves comfortable. The performance is about to begin. there was a beautiful princess called Snowflake. When Snowflake was born, her parents were the most loved king and queen the kingdom had ever had, and everywhere you looked, there was happiness and prosperity. The fields were full of corn, the cows were fat and gave the sweetest milk, even the birds in the trees sang a happy tune. People would smile at each other. Everyone loved to fish and walk on the beach, and every day was like a summer holiday. As the king and queen held Snowflake and looked out over their kingdom together, they could not help but smile. They had this magnificent castle on the shore, the sun was setting over the bright blue ocean, and their new baby daughter was lying asleep in her mother's arms. Everything was perfect. It would not last. From the time Snowflake was three days old. She had colic. This meant that she cried all the time. Day and night. All the time. She almost never stopped. The castle, in fact, the whole kingdom, rang with the sound of her screaming and crying. No one in the castle could get any sleep. Perhaps that is why all the kings of the neighbouring kingdoms stopped coming to visit except for deaf old King Wilbur. For many years now, King Wilbur and Snowflake's father had been negotiating over some land, and they were very close to an agreement. These talks had been going on for over 30 years, and it was a very important time for everyone. So, it should come as no surprise that when King Wilbur looked up and saw that Snowflake's father was asleep with his head on the table instead of listening, well, that was the start of the war. Over the years, the war meant that the kingdom was a lot less happy and a lot more miserable. At first, no one blamed Snowflake because she had been just a baby. But everyone blamed the king. And as the years went on, people would gather in groups and mutter about how having a king was an outdated concept and they would much prefer someone in power they'd actually voted for. As Snowflake grew up, she was a beautiful child. Once the colic stopped, everyone was able to get more sleep. But still, nothing seemed to go right when Snowflake was around. She'd broken her nose so many times that it had a huge lump in the middle, and she'd managed to somehow cut off both her pinky fingers while learning how to sew. Then there was the time that she fell out of her bedroom window and broke her leg. Another time she left her magnifying glass on the dressing table and burnt her bedroom to ashes. There was also the time when she was playing with her kite and got hit by lightning. It was all very unfortunate. People began to wonder if perhaps Snowflake was cursed in some way. As Snowflake grew into a young lady, people tried to keep their distance from her. She went through ever so many nannies and tutors because something always went wrong and everyone was afraid to work at the palace in case Snowflake really was cursed. The king and queen were at their wits' end and didn't know what to do for the best. The palace was always dirty 
and falling apart because no one wanted to work there. Whenever the king and queen went down to the village for celebrations or festivals, they had to leave Snowflake behind, otherwise no one would come out of their houses. And when people did come out to see them, or work at the palace, they would always be whispering and glaring at the king and queen in a way that made them very nervous. Snowflake would cry sometimes when she was alone in her room. She wondered what she had ever done to deserve so much bad luck. Her parents told her that it was normal for things to go wrong, but Snowflake didn't know anyone else who'd managed to catch measles, malaria, chickenpox and pink eye all in the same month. Surely it wasn't normal for someone to get the flu every other month, year after year. When the time came for Snowflake to marry and find someone to become the next king, the people in the village had decided enough was enough. The kingdom was ruined. All the fish had disappeared from the sea, the cows no longer gave any milk at all and had foot and mouth disease. The weather was so unpredictable that it could snow in July and be a heat wave at Christmas, so the crops mostly died or just withered away. All the people with enough money had already gone to live elsewhere, and those who were left didn't smile anymore. They just glared all the time until their heads ached. Up at the castle, the king and queen tried to come up with a plan. There wasn't a prince in the country who would marry Snowflake. They were all too scared they'd be run over by a train or something if they even came to court Snowflake. How would they find her a husband? And if they did find her someone who didn't know her history, how would they pay for the wedding? The palace had once had a whole room filled with gold coins and jewels, but over the years they'd had to sell or spend it all to finance the war or pay for repairs to the castle or give the few people willing to work for them a huge wage just to turn up each day. It was a desperate situation. The king said they should put up a notice that said everyone in the village would need to contribute some money so that they could find Snowflake a husband and marry her off. The Queen, however, had a much better idea. She knew that desperate times called for desperate measures, and that if they asked the villagers to pay for a royal wedding, they might very well end up being part of a royal funeral instead. Once she'd explained her plan, the King hugged his very clever wife, and they both did a little dance of joy. Snowflake knew that things were badly wrong. No one ever looked at her or spoke to her, and her parents literally ran from the room when she walked in. She'd overheard some of the kitchen staff talking about how everyone in the village hated the king and queen and wanted them to leave. Perhaps, thought Snowflake, that might not be such a bad idea. Snowflake thought that if she ran away, then she could go somewhere else and start a new life. A life where she didn't fall over and give herself a concussion just getting out of bed. A life where everything didn't always go so completely and utterly wrong all the time. Oh, it might make a nice change. That morning, very early, the king crept into the village square and put up the notice. It asked the villagers for help, but not with money. They needed people with wood, people who could build a boat to come to the castle as soon as possible. When Snowflake woke up, she decided that tonight would be the night she ran away. After a quick breakfast, she spent most of the day packing a bag with everything she would need. She decided not to tell her parents. They would only worry or beg her to stay. Once she'd found somewhere to live, she would write to them and perhaps they could come and visit her someday. 
Snowflake was not the brightest person in the world, and as she went about her plans that day, she didn't even wonder what all the noise of hammering and sawing was down by the jetty. She didn't notice her mother smiling as she watched her daughter pack clothes and food into a small bag. She didn't even think to ask what was in the strangely bitter drink that her father brought her at bedtime. Snowflake fell into a deep sleep with plans of a midnight flit running through her pretty, scarred head. When Snowflake eventually woke, it was because she was thirsty. It was still dark, so she sat up and felt around for her bag. Now was the time to make her escape. Soon she would be far away from here and living a new, accident-free life. As Snowflake felt around, she began to realise she wasn't in her bed. She wasn't even in her bedroom, and as the room swayed from side to side, she began to think she wasn't even in the palace anymore. Snowflake could see a small shaft of light and crawled over to it. The floor was full of splinters, and she ended up with hundreds of tiny pieces of wood stuck in her hands and knees. As she knelt by the light, she could see outside, and what she saw made no sense to her at all. She blinked and rubbed her eyes, but when she looked again, it still made no sense. Looking back at the room she was in, she could see a rough mattress in one corner, next to her carefully packed bag of clothes. In the other corner, there was a metal bucket. All along the sides of the room, there were boxes with bread and vegetables spilling out of them, and some glass bottles with water were rolling around all over the place. But the thing that confused her most was her new view of the outside world. All she could see in every direction was water. Just the ocean and the horizon. Nothing else. One year later, the kingdom was prosperous again. King Wilbur had finally died and his son had no quarrel with anyone, so the war ended overnight. The fish returned to the sea, the cows got their health back, and people were smiling again. As the king and queen looked down over the workmen repairing their magnificent castle, they sighed contentedly. The king couldn't help but glance out at the distant horizons. His wife saw his gaze drifting over the ocean and gently took his hand in hers. With a smile they kissed and turned back into the main hall. It was time to greet their guests and celebrate the anniversary of the day they set their only cursed daughter adrift in order to save themselves and their kingdom. After all, desperate times call for desperate measures. The end. Written by Ali Gallo and starring Maria Oram. Thanks go to our esteemed technical wizard, Ian, for sound manipulation and button wrangling. Join us again next week for another Shouting in the Evening production. Cheerio! Cheerio!